You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. The Lunar New Year is coming up, and I always look forward to lots of family time centered around food. You may know this already, but Chinese people love their food-related homonyms. So, fish, yu, and yu, which signifies prosperity and abundance. And there's steamed pudding or lean go, which kind of sounds like lean go, lean go, and it means something like improving every year. Sweet rice dumplings, tong yun, which doesn't just apply to Chinese New Year, but we love it around any big holiday. Tong yun sounds almost the same as tun yun, harmony, wholesomeness, bringing the whole family together. And another auspicious dish around this time of year is braised dried oyster with black moss or fa choy hosi. I met with Chef Edwin Tang. He's the Chinese executive chef at Mira Hotel's Cuisine Cuisine, and he said every ingredient in this dish is symbolic of bringing good luck. Black hair moss sounds like wealthiness. Dried oysters means good fortune. Mushroom and garlic symbolize gold and wealth, and pea shoots represent jade. Chinese people create this dish especially for the Lunar New Year. The dish is traditionally made with whole sea or dried oysters, but Chef Edwin opted to use gum hole instead. That's golden oysters. The traditional dried oysters are usually smaller, and their taste can be quite overwhelming. Meanwhile, golden oysters are larger and have a bittersweet and milder taste, so it's more common now to use golden oysters for this dish. Chef Edwin prepared two other dishes made with golden oysters. The first one was a honey glazed golden oyster. This is a honey glazed golden oyster. We first lightly wash the oyster and steam it with spring onions and ginger to get rid of the fishy smell. Then we pan fry it until it gets slightly charred. Then we brush it with honey, just like barbecuing, and we put it on top of a rice crisp for easy holding and texture. So it has a combination of softness and crunchiness. Chef Edwin also made a spin-off of the Cantonese classics fortune chicken and crispy chicken by combining the two with golden oyster. To make the flavor more distinct, not only do I marinate the chicken, but I also mix the meat with a golden oyster gravy, so every part of the dish is well balanced. So the skin is golden and crispy, like one of our favorite dishes, crispy chicken. But inside is stuffed with ingredients that you usually find in a fortune chicken, which is the one that's usually wrapped around clay. And inside, you find a chicken that's stuffed with a lot of goodies, such as like roast pork or dried scallops. But this time, he's cut up. Bits of golden oyster just to enhance that umami flavor, topped with the crispy skin of the crispy chicken. It was so nice. When you think of oysters, you probably imagine them as raw or fully cooked, but golden oysters are half dried, a delicacy unique to Hong Kong. They're neither fully raw nor fully dried, but they're totally safe to eat. Purveyors use knowledge handed down over many centuries to make these oysters. The salinity, humidity, temperature, and the length of time it takes to dry them help keep bacteria at safe levels. They are perfectly safe to eat. Well, I would say golden oysters is just straddling the line between. 
dried oysters and a fresh oyster. It still has a little bit of a dried outside. So it keeps together. It doesn't fall apart. It doesn't flop anywhere. That's why you could still pan fry and cook with it. However, it still retains a lot of the brininess of the sea. So the flavor has that similar kind of enhanced flavor of oysters, but a lot more of the chewiness and I would just say a really nice pillowy bite to it. So I would say that golden oysters are a very nice balance of the two. But Chef Edwin said prices have increased year after year because only a handful of people still make them. The only place that is still making them is Lao Faoshan. We just exited the Western Tunnel and we're on the big freeway into the new territories. We're on our way to Lao Fao San, which apparently is just like on the border of Shenzhen and Hong Kong, which is where they make all the dried seafood in Hong Kong, or what's left anyway. In 300 meters, slide left onto Tinyu Road. It's a lot of shrubbery here. Your destination is on the left. And we have arrived. It's kind of like a small industrial building, corrugated iron, two stories. Oh my gosh, so excited, we're here. Ooh, the the outside wall is um, put together by oyster shells. That's really, that's really cool. Right after arriving, I met up with Chef Charles Chung. He is the chef and owner of a private kitchen called Caddy and Teal, but he also makes a lot of products such as prepackaged soups, dried products such as um, little rice crackers or deep fried walnuts. That is a very popular appetizer when you sit around waiting for your relatives to arrive at the Chinese restaurant. So Chef Charles also really likes using products from Lao Fao San. So he introduced us to an oyster farmer in that area. So, Chef Charles, tell mm. me about Lao Fao San and why are we here? Uh, Lao Fao San is one of the best places for seafood in Hong Kong for so many years. And we are here today for Chan Chang Gei, one of the best brands for, especially for the gold oyster. But is there something about this area that makes it good for drying oysters? Uh, the first thing is about the water that's so rich in minerals because it's among the sea and also the river from the inner bank of like, China. And so or the oyster or like the crab and also everything here is so rich in nutrient. And second, the flavor is good. And lastly, the people here get the space, like they can sun dry it without like so many interference. And Chef Charles brought me to Chang Chang Key. And here it comes with all the oyster in all the trays. They are like sun under the sun, getting ready for the best timing. When we arrived at Chan Chan Key, there really isn't much of a sign that it is a farm apart from this wall that is lined with oyster shells. But when you walk in and you go into the immediate back area, it opens up to the beach. And lined in trays and trays and trays are different sizes of oysters in different stages of being dried. Some of them are quite fresh. Some of them have been out for days. And it smelled a little fishy. There's like, you know, so many oyster shells just strewn along the um, little port that they have. 
and the pier is just covered with oyster shells. When we got there, it was actually low tide. So it looked kind of scenic in a way where the boats are just like, you know, languishing on the shoreline, no water taking it anywhere. And the owners actually have a few dogs that roam around and maybe a couple of cats too. So what makes a good one, a good golden oyster? First, we can smell it. Mm-hmm. The smell is really sweet, like uh, full of the, the smell of the oyster. And the second you will see is a really fat one like me. Get a tummy <laughs> here. Right. And, yeah, and you can see here is the roll inside. Right, you can see like oyster roll inside. Yeah. So you can imagine when you bite on it, you can have the texture. Mmm, very soft but a little bit chewy at the yeah, same you can, time. You can find out that the inward of it is still like moist. The outside of it is, is like a dried it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So once we pan fried it or like cook it, it will be a little bit crispy for the texture. But it's really hard to get this ideal taste because sometimes the weather is hard to maintain. Maybe the first two days are really dry but suddenly it gets some rain or like get the monsoon rain, uh, wind and it turn like become soft. So it's a very delicate balance. Yeah, so it's all it about luck and technique. That's amazing. Chef Charles then went off to the kitchen to prepare a few dishes. In the meantime, I was introduced to Mrs. Chan, or affectionately known as Chang Sao. Chang Sao, ni hao a. She's the owner of Chan Chang Key and has been working on the oyster farm since she was eight years old. As we stood on the little beach of her farm, we were overlooking this huge skyline of Shenzhen. And she pointed it out to me that before the British lease of Hong Kong, that whole shoreline belonged to her great-grandfather or the people of the Sha Jing village. Sha Jing is now number 11 on the metro line in Shenzhen. There is still a village town there. She told me that they have a little town hall with a columbarium full of the ancestors. But I somehow can't help but feel that it is a shadow of its prior glory. The views on the oyster farm are spectacular, but to be able to produce plump, delicious oysters takes a lot of hard, hard work. Growing up, Cheng So would dive into the water to harvest oysters, regardless of the weather. Cheng So also said that she was diving even when she was eight months pregnant with her daughter. Chen So also had a fair share of injuries and scars. She actually rolled up her pants to show us one scar on her knee. That she got when she was diving for oysters, and one of the shells just cut right through to the knee, and she said you could see bone, and she just couldn't stop bleeding. 
So she just shucked a nearby oyster, placed it on top of the wound, covered it with some mud to stop the bleeding, and continued to work. She basically used the oyster as a band-aid. I think for Chan Sol to show us a scar that she had since she was a girl and it was still so prominent, I could just imagine the frenzy, the importance of harvesting time to a farmer's family. That's all hands on deck, there is no rest to be had, and everybody just needs to just power through. Now, new farming techniques means Chen So doesn't need to dive into cold waters anymore. But as Chef Chow said earlier, making oysters require a lot of luck and technique because oysters are very dependent on the weather. For example, when they're spawning in the water, the optimal water temperature can't be warmer than 18 degrees Celsius or 64 degrees Fahrenheit. And they usually spawn for 45 months before they're harvested. But with climate change and Hong Kong's weather getting hotter and more humid, Chung Sol has had to delay her harvest a bit more each year. Well, it's really cool to know that Chang So still farms her oysters according to the 24 solar terms, which is um, how they separate the times of the year in the Chinese almanac. Now, we usually think of that as a lot of like fortune-telling mumbo-jumbo, and it's so interesting how it still applies to farmers that were taught how to farm the Chinese way and how they've been noticing the changes in the characteristics of these 24 solar terms because of climate change. After harvesting, the oysters are then dried. Others in the industry would dry their oysters over fire, but Cheng So insists on the old school way, that's by sun drying. Under good conditions, again, that's dry and cold weather, it only takes two days to sun-dry golden oysters. But if the weather is a bit more humid, it could take up to two and a half days. The water condition has also got to be just right. Chef Charles mentioned this briefly, but the reason why the oyster industry has flourished in Laofausan is because the area is in a tiny pocket at the Pearl River estuary, where fresh water from the river mixes with seawater. This creates brackish water, or ham tam so in Cantonese, which is an ideal environment for oysters to grow. Unfortunately, sometimes the water gets too salty, and Mrs. Chan was left with a batch of dead oysters last year. Chen So wasn't very specific in what exactly happened. All she knew was that the warmer weather and the currents didn't behave like it usually did from the time before. 
And while some environmentalists would argue that because of the reshaping of the Shenzhen shoreline, that would definitely affect how the currents are running into Shenzhen River and affect the salinity of the water. But none of this has discouraged Cheng Sou at all. She says sometimes she gets to feed her family well, and sometimes she'll just have to do with a little less. It takes a lot of grit to be able to persevere for so many years, though. She's been in this industry for basically her entire life, ever since she was eight years old. And now she's about to turn 75. Even her husband has asked her to take a rest. But she just can't resist visiting her oyster farm and checking how her oysters are doing. She really loves what she does. I also feel Chang Sou feels that she is one of the last stalwarts of this tradition of farming oysters in that particular part of Hong Kong. I'm walking out on the pier here and it's just covered in oyster shells. There's a strong fishy flavor in the air. Mrs. Chan told me that they use some of these shells again for next year's harvest. Mrs. Chan's house is a two-story building of corrugated iron. You wouldn't spot a house like this anywhere within the city limits. But it looks like she's got all her creature comforts. There's an air conditioning unit, there's an antenna for television. It looks like she lives a very comfortable and simple life out here. When it comes to eating golden oysters, Chang So said one of her favorite dishes ever since she was a girl was pan frying the smaller oysters with homemade oyster sauce and then serving it with fried rice. For the larger oysters, she would simply pan fry and dip it in sugar. But Chef Charles was cooking something special for us. Chef Charles, what are you making? Oh, uh, Lisa, I'm making one of my secret recipe. That's the golden oyster san choy bao. Oh wow, I've never had that before. Yeah, you need to have it today. We have our the best golden oyster from our best friend, Mrs. Chen. He pan fried the golden oysters until they were crispy. Crispiness. Then he paired them with cured Shanghai ham. So when will be, are you gonna cook the jin um, the Shanghai ham? Yes. After I turn over the, the oyster, I will put the ham inside. When that was all golden fried and done cooking, he served it on top of lettuce leaves. And at the end, we'll put a little bit honey on it. Wow, you know what I was saying. The lettuce makes for easy holding, but the Shanghai ham with its umami and sweetness just brings out the underlying ocean flavors in the middle. It's so delicious. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. I think the new year means something a little different to each culture. In Western culture, it's about resolutions, trying to do better for the next year. To the Chinese, it's all about everything good, everything great. You're not even allowed to talk about bad things around Chinese New Year. 
This episode about golden oysters, we talked about a lesser known Chinese New Year dish that also coincidentally is going through a little bit of a threat. I think I want everyone to think about and celebrate this dish at the same time fall in love with it. And maybe we could make the resolution to try and save it a little bit. On this note, I wish everybody a happy Lunar New Year. Happy New Year!